Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this 14th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, beginning at verse 15. O Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Take vengeance for me on those who persecute me. You are slow to anger. Do not take me away. Keep in mind that for your sake I bear disgrace. Your words came to me, and I devoured them. Your words came, became my joy, the delight of my heart, because I bear your name, O Lord God of armies. I did not sit with the band of the party-goers, nor did I celebrate with them. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. You filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending? Why is my wound incurable, refusing to heal? Will you be as deceptive as an intermittent stream to me, like a source of water that a person can't depend on? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will take you back so that you may stand before me. If what you say is worthwhile and not worthless, you will be my spokesman. They must turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you like a bronze wall to this people. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, because I am with you to save you and to rescue you, declares the Lord. I will rescue you from the hand of the wicked, and I will deliver you from the grasp of the ruthless. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at the 18th verse. These words serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. For I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. In fact, creation is waiting with eager longing for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that even creation itself will be set free from slavery to corruption, in order to share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that all of creation is groaning with birth pains right up to the present time, and not only creation, but also we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Indeed, it was for this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he already sees? If we hope for something we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patient endurance. The word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at the 21st verse. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law 
and be killed and on the third day be raised again. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, May you receive mercy, Lord. This will never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a snare to me because you are not thinking the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In fact, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. After all, what will it benefit a person if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. And I'll read these words once more. For I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. In, fa in fact, creation is waiting with eager longing for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that even creation itself will be set free from slavery to corruption in order to share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that all of creation is groaning with birth pains right up to the present time. And not only creation, but also we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we weak, eagerly wait for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Indeed, it is for this hope we were saved. But hope that is not seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for something we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patient endurance. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, so just last week, I went in to get a haircut, and as the young lady who was cutting my hair, she's done it now the last three times, and she knows that I'm a pastor, and kind of interesting how when people are cutting your hair, they tend to open up to you, especially knowing you're a pastor. So she had to share with me something that has been really bothering her. A month ago, she was at her apartment, which is near a golf course, and she had her car parked, and when she came out in the morning, here was a golf ball uh, smashed into her window, car window. So she decided, after getting it all fixed and repaired, that she was not going to park on that side of the building. So she parked on the other side for sure, that her car would not get hit by a golf ball again. And in fact, she was parked and there were several cars all around her. When she came out, the day she cut my hair, when she came out, here was a golf ball smashed into her window. Now, what you just reacted to, I was kind of thinking inside. I kind of chuckled a little bit inside, but you can't just say that because she was extremely frustrated. 
I mean, I put it on a side that it shouldn't even got hit. It was other cars there, and all of a sudden the golf ball picks my car and smashes the window again, and then came the dreaded words. Why can't I get a break? See, I could have chuckled, but then you could the other dreaded words. Oops. And I didn't want her to say that while cutting my hair. <laughs> so here's a young lady who is very frustrated. Now you could argue, oh, come on, a golf ball in the window, not that big of a deal. Happening twice, okay, maybe a little bigger deal. But to get all bent out of shape over and to think, why can't I just get a break? I don't doubt that she has on her plate tons of things, and those words came out because this was like the last straw. Why can't I get a break? You and I can relate to those words. Probably even felt that frustration, perhaps even feel it now. Why can't I just get a break? The truth of the matter is, is we do not live here in a world that's a utopia. We do not live with a heaven here on earth. And because of that, you and I face suffering. And we face it all day long. And the reason for suffering can be summed up in one word. Sin. Go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned against God. Now they, in sinning against God, didn't just simply eat forbidden fruit. No, their sin was doubting and denying God's love and God's word. And once again, when you deny God's love and God's word, that's the definition for unbelief. That was their sin. And when sin came into the world, it wasn't here today and gone tomorrow. Sin cursed even the very human nature itself. Adam and Eve were now in sin. They lived in fear of God. The last person they wanted to see when God said, where are you, is the Lord God. That's why they hid. They couldn't come to him. He had to come to them. And even Adam, even after he would have his first child, we're told in the scriptures, that child would not be born in the image of God, but rather in the image of Adam. You and I have inherited that same sinful nature, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. We too are born sinners. Sin has cursed our very human nature and even our very human thinking and reasoning. But it didn't stop there. When sin came into the world, it even cursed creation itself. And creation itself, as the Apostle Paul personifies, in other words, he treats it like it's a human being, that creation itself has been groaning and, and has been suffering, yearning for the day when this, this sinful world will end, knowing that there's a better world to come. But on that day, all it can do is yearn for the day when judgment day will come and there will be no more sin. Yes, you and I live along with creation, under the consequences of sin. We live with the guilt of sin. We live with the horror of sin. We live with the fear of death because of sin. And 
we find ourselves also crying out, why can't we get a break? Creation itself is subjected to futility, it says here, to purposelessness, to, to you know, to not having a, a, a purpose at all, to, to a, kind of, a kind of uselessness and, and feeling totally lost. And this wasn't by its own will. God subjected it because this is the consequence of, of sin. And we have a just God who hates sin. In fact, not only are we subjected to futility, but we join creation in living under the slavery to corruption. This includes decay. All of creation is falling apart. It looks like the creation itself is becoming uncreated. Even our very bodies are failing. As we get older and older, our bodies do not improve. We live under decay, all because of sin. We join creation in groaning and suffering like the birth pains that come more and more often and also grow in intensity. We too find ourselves crying out, why can't I just get a break? Knowing that sin has affected even our human thinking and, and even our human reasoning, it's very tempted to think that God really owes us. We live in this sinful world, but besides that, you know, God should, God should make us happy. If I and 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 let's say I'll I'll do all this Bible stuff and and I'll read all this Bible stuff and 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 I'll say all this prayers according to this Bible stuff and and I'll do all this. Can't I expect that God's going to make me successful? That God's going to bless me? That God's going to be happy with me? And that God better improve my life? Don't I have a right to, to even go so far and to be angry with God when things aren't going right and to take it out on him? Because can't I expect that my life's going to be perfect and God better give it to me? There's been many a soul who has rejected believing in the one true God. How can you believe in a God who lets people suffer? How can you believe in a God who doesn't do anything about it? Oh, I ain't. I'm not going to believe in such a being. And they reject the Lord as they deny all that he has done. Along with that, are we not also tempted to think that maybe it would have been better if God would have just wiped Adam and Eve out and started over? Boy, doesn't that make more sense? That's far more logical. we got to be more intelligent than God. Why didn't God even think of that? to just go wipe everyone out and start over? I am so thankful that God didn't do that because if God would have done it once, could he have done it again? Instead of wiping Adam and Eve out, instead of wiping all of us out, instead he did something far better. He took our place, took on human flesh, and live that perfect life we couldn't live. He offered that perfect life on the cross and suffered the punishment of sin, which is death and hell. He even suffered the agony 
when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sin separates us from God, and Jesus would suffer all of that on the cross for us. This is not a punishment that we could have endured and lived, but this was a punishment that Jesus made in our behalf. And because he made this punishment in our behalf, you and I have life. Jesus won for us with that sacrifice on the cross, the forgiveness of sins. And where there is the forgiveness of sins, there is the hope of everlasting life. It is Jesus that we're saved. And because of all that Jesus has done, especially his resurrection, and let's not overlook the ascension back into heaven, he won for us something you can also sum up in one word. Glory. He won for us glory. And when it comes to glory, as forgiven people, our status has been changed with God. As sinners, we were by nature his enemies. But now, because of the sacrifice of Christ and his resurrection, which is proof that sins have been paid in full, we are now called sons of God. Creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And that will be on the last day. Only God can read our hearts to see if there's true or fake faith. But to be called sons of God? which means we're no longer slaves. Being a son of God means we have an inheritance, and that inheritance is the glory of heaven itself. And not only are we called sons of God, we're also called children of God. Paints another beautiful picture. Because if we're children of God, then that means God is our Father. Our Heavenly Father takes care of us. Our Heavenly Father watches over us. Our Heavenly Father protects us. Remember the words of Jesus, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We have a heavenly father that never fails us. And as children of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have this glorious freedom to know that our sins are paid for and forgiven. To know that we don't have to fear death anymore. That death is not the end of life, but knowing it's a beginning to a new life, for there's life after death, and that new life is going to be in heaven. Just think on the last day, when I and all believers are taken to heaven, we're going to enjoy no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more Satan, no more suffering, no more decay, because the old order will be gone. This is a life that is one of pure bliss beyond all bliss. Along with that, we're also called adopted. We didn't come to God. God came to us. We didn't choose God. God chose us. And as adopted children of God, uh, the final piece of our adoption will be on the last day when we will enjoy the redemption of our bodies bodies that will be glorified and made immortal, but bodies that will be used to join the heavenly angels in singing all praise and glory to our God who has saved us. As sons of God, as children of God, as adopted, 
we are told here by the Apostle Paul, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. A rather difficult phrase to understand. Keep in mind that a first fruit was actually the first part of the harvest that was collected. It was actually the best fruit. And that was usually taken, and then that was dedicated and given to the Lord. And then the rest was kept by the man who was harvesting it and, and to use as needed to be used. So when we hear of the first fruits of the Spirit, we're talking about God's offering to us. And the offering that God has given us is the Holy Spirit. The very Holy Spirit who through the word calls us to faith and keeps us in that one true faith is the same Holy Spirit that also calls us to have hope. Hope founded in Jesus Christ alone. And this is not hope that is seen because there is no such thing as having hope that is seen. This is hope that is not seen. This is hope that is not wishful thinking. This is hope that is guaranteed. This is hope founded on the fact that Jesus is our Savior and therefore heaven is our home. This is a hope that's, that because of this hope we now live with eager expectation, eager expectation and patient endurance as we live each moment of every day knowing heaven is our home. In fact, we live each day holding to these words. For I conclude that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. These words remind me that all suffering will all come to an end. No suffering can last forever. Eternal life with our Lord is forever. And comparing our present suffering, it doesn't compare when you realize that eternal life in heaven is forever and it will never end. But until the day the Lord calls us home, we don't have to cry out, why can't I get a break? Why can't I just have one good day? When in actuality I have eternal life. These are the words for a discouraged Christian that the Apostle Paul writes to. These are the words of God. And in Christ Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not have to live as discouraged Christians. We live with hope. And along with that, glory. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.